Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Jackson over the middle, caught by Hollywood Brown. See you later. Hollywood to the house. Jackson, the spin and toss. Ingram makes a man miss. Diving. Touchdown. Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf. And Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens. And running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to a, another episode of Pod Like a Raven. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm trying to keep it together this episode. Uh, this is the second year in a row now where we've had to come from such a high and, and have to come on the show and talk about some less... Less than positive Ravens-related news, but we're going to try to get through it. A lot to recap, a lot to talk about. I'm joined by my co-hosts, starting this time, first of all, with Jace Evans on the West Coast. Jace, how uh, how are you feeling on this sad day in, in Ravens fanhood? Yeah, I'm hanging in there, Antonio. It's always a bummer, uh, obviously, when the Ravens season comes to an end. Uh, I will say, compared to last year... Uh, Ravens have to stop doing this, uh, Saturday night divisional thing. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it hasn't been working out for them. Um, but, uh, I, I, I will say compared to last year, I am in a better place with this Ravens loss. Last year I was left numb, confused, depressed probably, but this year I think I have a nice, a little tighter perspective on it. It's still a bummer, but I will say, just blanket statement off the top, I do think this was a successful season 
on the whole, despite what we'll get into, a rough finish. <laughs> rough finish. And joining us on the East Coast in D.C., like I should say in Maryland now, not in D.C. right now, just the, the consummate professional who is recording an episode, one of the hardest episodes to record for the Ravens, and he is doing it on his very birthday Doing this for us, doing this for the good people, for the good listener. It's Tim Horsey. Happy birthday, my friend. And I hope you did some fun stuff outside of uh, the game this weekend to celebrate some way, somehow. But uh, thanks for thanks for being here on, on, on such a day, uh, given, given what we have to talk about. Oh, this ain't work, man. Don't, don't, you don't have to thank me for anything. I appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words. Um, yeah, the birthday was an excuse to get incredibly drunk on sunday night to try and forget what happened on saturday so i'm doing okay and you know we'll get into it more but i have to say for i do agree with jace overall i think this season was a success but let's break down uh the brutal devastating way it ended why don't we yeah i i was telling the guys right before we started recording here that i'm gonna try to i think weirdly jace and tim are a little calmer with the result this time uh compared to other ravens losses where i see those losses other other uh, losses and i may i'll try to see the the positive span or i'll try to be positive but for this game i am not happy i i'm i'm a little steamed even though this was uh a few days ago now and i'm gonna try to keep it under wraps maybe bounce off my co-host here to try to not explode uh, on air because i was frustrated by by some things and we'll get into it ravens falling in the divisional round, seventeen to three. Yes, that's right, to three. Not a against lot of the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> Doesn't seem possible. I still don't really understand how. I, I one of the last things I said last week on the episode was that I thought it was a typo how many yards the Bills gave up on average to opposing offenses, and how that seemed the key to me that the Ravens wouldn't be stopped all game. Well, they were stopped uh, a lot. And only put up three points. So I'll ask question number one to you guys, and it's just, uh, what happened here? What, uh, h- how did it all go so wrong? I mean, what, what, what's the summation here of this disastrous end result? I think, long story short, this game exposed literally every offensive problem the Ravens have had this season that, you know... If you'll go back and listen to all prior 17 weeks, 18 weeks we've talked about the Ravens here during the 2020 season, uh, you'll see snippets of all these issues come up. And the issue, I think, is normally you're playing a lot worse teams, so it ends up not being a problem. But the Buffalo Bills are a good team. And, uh, you know, it kind of all came to a head in this game, I think, There were issues with play calling. I think there were issues with offensive line play, particularly at one spot. I think uh, there is an issue in a lack of receiving weapons on this team. Um, And I think, you know, we love the guy. I think Lamar Jackson still has to take a leap. And I think all those things kind of conspired in this game. Uh to really sink the Ravens at just the worst time. Cause you're right, Antonio. I think that is what, you know, what does make this loss frustrating. I think the most, uh, compared to other ones is 
this game was winnable. It was very winnable. Ravens could have won this football game. Um, the Bills did not play excellent, I didn't think, by any means. But I think they were just undone by too many mistakes on their own part. And um, it's something I think you... I don't want to say go back to the drawing board entirely, but there needs to be major changes this offseason um, to prevent what we saw from happening from happening again. In the yeah, Jace kind of nailed all of it. Um, I think Justin Tucker hits the post twice. Like I was feeling bad. I might have said I had bad vibes after that second miss. <laughs> that is the summation of the everything that could go wrong will go wrong. Anything that anything negative for the Ravens on offense that could happen seems like it did happen. And you can't have that in these moments. Like this team again, just pisses down their leg in the biggest moments in the playoffs. And it just, it's infuriating to watch as a fan. Um, You know, I don't need to go and we'll dive deeper into some of these problems here uh, that Jace kind of laid out at the beginning of this, but I just think the biggest thing, it was a combination of everything. Like, I'm, I'm, you're going to hear it, and you probably heard it already. If, if you work today and you were commuting or you're listening to podcasts, sports podcasts, however you do, uh, you know, during your Monday to take everything in, admittedly, I haven't done any of that because I just don't want to hear it right now. And luckily, you know, to celebrate Martin Luther King Day was off on Monday as we record this. But the hot take artists are going to find one particular thing. And then the people who are going to go against that are, well, you just want to protect Lamar. You, you, can't, you, you have to blame him for this. It has to be him. Not one single thing lost this football game. An atrocious offensive performance all around lost this football game for the Ravens, and that is why they're going home early yet again. The offense failed this team wholly, completely, receiving the offensive line. Lamar Jackson, Greg Roman. All of these guys failed the Ravens. All of these units failed the Ravens in the biggest moment possible. And that is why we're here on a somber uh, somber Monday recording this rather than a jubilant one. In this game, the Ravens offensively had more passing yards than the Bills, more rushing yards, more first downs, 11 more minutes of time of possession, and lost, and lost this game by two touchdowns. It, it wasn't even like, oh, they lost it by a field goal even though they dominated all these metrics. No, no, they lost bad. Uh, And it's, you know, everybody, you can point to the big turnover that we'll get into that that flips the game, but when you back, when you sort of zoom out and look at the final result of this game, Jace, this was winnable. The Bills did not play well. They did not do anything offensively. Defensively, I guess they did the the bend but don't break. But even with that, they gave up field goal attempts that hit the uprights. I was, we were all, I would say, angry texting at some point during the thread of this game. Uh, And I would say my angriest was uh, having to watch a team that is a billion-dollar organization, literally a billion-dollar organization, get to the biggest moment of the year, really, of the, let's call it the business year, if this is an organization, and they don't have a player on the roster who can snap the ball, which is what you have to do on every single play offensively. And I was trying to come up with, like, similes, analogies, metaphors for what that would be like 
on something other than a football team, and I didn't really come up with any good ones, but it's very frustrating to me how you couldn't have had that handled at this point of the season. And I want to start with that because this is the second guy that the Ravens went through is with Makari being the, the starting center of this game and having the same exact issues for seemingly no reason uh, as Matt Skura did earlier in the season. So I want to start with this just because it's sort of a juicy first talking point. Is there any alternate universe for the Ravens to have dealt with this than how it happened? Do you, are they supposed to have somebody else ready to go? Are they supposed to try to put Skura back in after the first fumble, the first bad snap, of which there were several? Not just the two that were the really bad fumbles. I would count five, maybe? So was there anything that the Ravens could do to fix this issue that not only created loss of downs, loss of yards, but then ended up really knocking out the star, your star quarterback, your by far most talented best player on on the team as a direct result of this mistake that kept happening over and over and over again? Could they have done anything? Am I being way too sort of narrow-minded that at this point he was your center for this game and that you had to play it out. No, you're absolutely right. First of all, I've got one for you. It's like trying to host a radio show but cutting your tongue out before the, you go on air. Like, it's just absolutely ridiculous that they have this problem. And here's what happens. You've invested draft capital and free agent signings and trades on the defensive side of the football, and you have not done the same thing with the offensive side of the football. Remember the whole Joe Flacco debate? Everybody that wanted to defend Flacco for years, he doesn't have the weapons. The offensive line is weak. They haven't invested in that, and they failed to do it yet again. Your starters, Patrick McCarry, undrafted, undrafted. Bradley Bozeman, a sixth-round pick. By the way, there's your solution. Bradley Bozeman played center in college. He could have done it. He can sub in and play that role. Sixth-round pick. Tyree Phillips, third-round pick, showed some promise, but struggled down the stretch, has been battling injuries, and he's a rookie. Matt Sakura undrafted DJ Fluker first round pick who was a complete bust with all of his other teams and now he's here and he's bragging about on Instagram how much weight he's lost as an offensive lineman like the I know the Ronnie Stanley injury is big and Orlando Brown has stepped up Orlando Brown has stepped up so much that he's not returning to the Ravens when his contract's up because now he's going to get paid left tackle money because he's been that good But they have absolutely failed their star quarterback, the reigning MVP of this league, by putting him behind that offensive line, who we were praising for a while because they played very well. But again, when when you're in the final eight, the elite eight of the NFL, and you're playing very, very good teams, you have to have talented players on that front line. I say it every single week on this podcast. That is the most important part of the game is the offense and defensive lines. You got Calais Campbell and Derek Wolf. You traded for Yannick Ngakwe this offseason and season to boost one side of the line, the defensive line, the pass rush, which, by the way, wasn't great anyway. And you failed to do it on the other side of the football, and that is what, for me, and we'll talk about Lamar, I think the pick is the backbreaker in this game. But it was a giant mountain to climb because they failed to step up over and over and over again as a whole not even talk about the center jace i'll let you wax poetic <laughs> about that because you and antonio were furious even angrier than i was and i was livid at the time but that unit as a whole completely failed this organization they came out Brad Ricari and bradley bozeman said the bills mafia really affected the offense all six thousand of them 
6,000 fans in the stands, and you're a professional football player. I don't care if you haven't had to deal with crowds all year. That bleep can't happen. It can't happen. And, and it did. And that offensive line was absolutely atrocious. They were the worst part of the game by far for Baltimore. And again, as I said at the start of this, this is why we are we're sent home. And the only, the only article we get from the Ravens today is a press release saying we have the 27th pick in the 2021 <laughs> NFL draft. Um, yeah, I have some bad news for those guys. If they're intimidated by 6,000 fans, there's probably going to be around, uh, at minimum, I'd say probably 40,000 fans in these stadiums next year, uh, nine months from now when the next season gets going. So, uh, yeah, figure it out. Cause if you want to be in the NFL, there's going to be fans in the stands next year. But, uh, as per this, I think you really saw, you, tip, you mentioned it to him, I think we saw a good run-blocking unit throughout the year, but I think we saw the limitations of a lot of these guys as pass protectors, certainly in this game. you know, The Bills are hardly the greatest uh, pass-rushing team, but they still managed four sacks, seven QB hits in this game. Um, just got blown up a lot. Seemed like Lamar was on his back a lot. Just to circle back to the center thing, it really can't be said enough. I don't know how this happens. It's completely infuriating. It's it's baffling. And the thing that I just don't understand, like you said, Antonio, I assume there had to have been something. You know, we saw Tristan Colon Castillo, I guess, is the only guy on the roster who hasn't seemingly hasn't had the fumbleies uh, this season. But... I, I don't know how, you, and he's undrafted too, so I don't know how all your center options are undrafted guys. Uh, you know, in the games where this was really a problem, uh, Skur against the Colts, the Patriots game, which was an abject disaster of snapping, um, uh, this game, you didn't see Mitch Morse, the Bills center, have any issues. I, I, I rewatched uh, the first three quarters of the game uh, this afternoon as we record. Um, Talk about true professional, by the way, because I could not bring myself to do that. I no very way. much enjoyed that it was just the first three quarters. Yeah, though. Well, there was an event that happened that was all <laughs> I, I need to, to watch the fourth one. <laughs> but uh, Mitch Morris didn't really have issues. I saw Josh Allen bobble one snap, and it seemed like a Josh Allen problem, not a center problem necessarily. Uh, it wasn't an issue for the other side, and the weather was bad, but it wasn't an issue for the other side. Same in that Patriots game. It it poured. You know who didn't have fumbling problem? David Andrews, Pro Bowl center for the Patriots. Uh, I agree with Tim. It's just something you really have to look at this season, uh, this off season. Um, I think whether it's the draft, whether it's free agency, uh, Corey Lindsley, Packers All Pro center, is a free agent who I'm going to be obsessing over. I don't know if it's even realistic for the team to possibly sign him. I have no idea what the Ravens cap situation is at the moment, but. Uh, they have to do something. It can't. It can't. It, this can't be your situation entering next year. I think if there's any good that comes out of this uh, just horrendous snap debacle we've had this year and in this game, um, it's obvious they need a change. And um, I think the front office is smart enough to look at what they watched Saturday night and know that they can't do the same thing again next year. Looking at the game overall. The Ravens had just about everything go wrong offensively, I should say, in the first half. Get out of, or go into halftime, I should say, somehow in a tied game, 3-3. Three to three. Uh, And as we get to the start of the third quarter, Bills then have their one touchdown drive, a strong 11-play drive. 
and it's time for the Ravens offense to show up. And, you know, you're down a touchdown at this point. You've done very little uh, offensively to that point. And they have a 15-play drive that they slowly, methodically work their way all the way down the field, get it to the Bills' 10-yard line, and then on the third down is the forced uh, pick six. I can't even say it. The forced pick six where Lamar is clearly looking for, for Andrews to settle into the zone. He doesn't see the backside of the play, and it's intercepted. And, of course, he doesn't go down in the end zone, can't get tackled on the two or the three, which Andrews looked like he sort of had a shot at him. No, he has to return at 102 yards. And all of a sudden, it's 17-3, to and this game feels like it's about 50-3 to based on how the scoring had gone. Um, guys, do we want to talk about that play a little? I, I want to use that play to sort of then go into Lamar here and, and what you guys thought of his performance over the entire, I was, I was going to say over the entire 60 minutes, but we can't say that, over, uh, you know, the, the entire game that, that he was in for, um, and just how soul-crushing that, that interception was. I ended up lying, just lying down on the carpet where I was watching that game, just full, uh, full like George Michael in Arrested Development when he just like collapses <laughs> down onto the, onto the carpet. That was me. So what were you guys doing a, a, after that particular uh. Well, I'll just hand up. I almost missed the interception return because I was eye-rolling to the sky so hard I didn't realize the Bills defender was still running. And so I looked back at the TV in time to go, oh! Because <laughs> I was like, oh, just what we need. Just looked up and then I like glanced back at my TV to to see the game basically ending as Teron Johnson sprinted down the field. So that's what I was doing. Yeah, soul-crushing was a good way to do it. Uh, the pick was bad enough and then... To just house it, like you said, it it I, it was basically game over at that point. I I felt just the way things had been such a struggle all game, and that drive was so long and so time consuming. You're basically at the end of the third quarter on two drives by each team, and you leave it's a fourteen point swing. Basically, you think the game's going to be tied ten ten, and then you're down seventeen three, and it's like, well, and then as we said. Lamar Jackson gets hurt two plays later. So it was basically, yeah, game over for me. And, I mean, heartbreaking, soul-crushing. It definitely, you know, one of the worst plays of his career. Um, He'd never been intercepted in the red zone before uh, in his career. 49 touchdowns, zero picks uh, until this one. So that was rough. Not what you want to see. Um, And... Yeah, it was a bummer. Uh, I agree with you. I think there's a lot we could dig out of that because I think it was a pretty much a microcosm of this game for me. That pick. Yeah, uh, I mean, Jace talked about the drive. It was a 15 play, 66 yard drive that took up almost nine minutes of clock. It's a stereotypical Baltimore Ravens drive on in this Lamar Jackson era, um, and the pick is 100, 1,000, 1 million percent on Lamar Jackson. It's a bad throw. It's a, it's a, I'm trying to do too much, force it into the guy, only guy I want to throw to, Mark Andrews. The t- everybody and their brother knows that. And he makes a horrible, horrible mistake. Um, it feels like the guy's going to be snake bitten in the playoffs forever. You know, obviously we're only as a time of recording, not even 48 hours away from the, the loss. So take that for what you will. When I say things like it's all over and Lamar's never going to win a Lombardi, but 
before that, you probably give Lamar like a six out of ten, maybe a seven. Like I didn't think he was great by any stretch of the imagination. Um, the offense in general wasn't great. They did the Bills defense did to us what we did to the Titans of like, hey, we know what you're gonna do and we're gonna do our best to stop it. Now the Ravens still ran for 150 yards on 32 carries, but it was it didn't feel like that in the game. But that pick puts his performance to me at like a three out of 10. It's just, you just can't do, you cannot make mistakes like that. And, you know, you both, you guys mentioned it. It felt like the game was over. Um, I was over a friend's house cuddling his new puppy, like an emotional support dog. So that helped. But at that moment, I almost immediately was like, all right, well, that's game. Cause I just, you couldn't trust the offense to do anything more. And, Again, like I said before, all these people who are like, oh, you guys talked about the offensive line. You're not even talking about Lamar Jackson, how bad he was. It doesn't have to be mutually exclusive, all these things. Everything was horrific, and the worst moment of the night is on Lamar Jackson, 100%. Football, I mean, every sport, I guess, but football can be so tough in terms of how you judge it after the fact based on one play to the next play and I'm using all these sort of vague terms because that's one of the worst throws of his entire career maybe the worst throw of his entire career given the circumstance given that this was the type of mistake he usually did not make with the 49 red zone touchdowns to zero interceptions but in that biggest moment that's when he makes the worst throw Andrews wasn't even really open based on the front side of the coverage, much less the secondary defender coming to to intercept the ball. But what's tough for me with this play is that on the play before, there was a wide-open touchdown to be had to Hollywood Brown, and he ran sort of like a crossing route that took a little bit of time to develop. But by the time he gets to... By the time his route essentially gets to the far side of the field from where he started, he is wide wide open and Lamar just had not enough time sort of the pocket is collapsing on him and he doesn't really have time to set his feet and throw it and he throws it short and that's the throw that he's not completed passes on the entire season even the last two seasons that throw happened a few different times in this game where if his feet aren't really set he tries to just sort of sidearm sling a pass and if it's to the outside or if it has any distance behind it, he's really inconsistent and not accurate with it and he was not able to complete what would have been the game-tying touchdown pass at that point, and then the next play, he overplays, basically. He forces it and and makes the worst possible throw he could ever make. Uh, Then we can fast-forward, I suppose. Uh, Well, I want to say one thing, actually, about about Hollywood Brown, because I, I mentioned him on being open on that route, and he was open a lot of other times. Another really good game from him, if we're trying to draw some positives... Um, from this game, try as hard as, as we can here. Uh, I, I think his three playoff games that Hollywood has played in has, have been the be- three best games of his career as a football player. If you maybe take away the first game against the Dolphins, which at the time was like playing a, a JV football team. But outside of that, the fact for a guy that we've given a lot of flack to, a guy whose three best games as a young player are the three playoff games that he has played in, I think says a lot about him as a player. Zero drops, made some really, really tough, contested catches uh, in that game. Longer throws with a defender over his back, getting hit while catching a pass at the same time. 
Um, getting catches from two different quarterbacks in the same game, which is an adjustment also. I thought he played really well. Um, but we, yeah, let's fast forward to Lamar going out of this game. I think it was the final play of the third quarter on another horrendous snap. Uh, he has to run back and chase it in like one of the most athletic plays you can ever make, tries to throw it away, which made sense. Even the grounding made sense at that time because at that point you might as well try to get the ball to the line of scrimmage. You might as well try because if it is – um, if it isn't grounding, like you're going to be down in the exact same spot with the same down and distance anyway. So I actually thought that was a pretty smart play, but he gets the sort of tackled low and tackled high situation, which, which he's unable to, to break his fall well. And now the third quarter has ended. We're going to commercial break. Lamar's down, and it's third and 30, uh, something like that. So I'll, I'll turn to you guys now. At this stage in the game, I think I've like rolled over now, and I'm still on the carpet, but I'm at least watching the game from my from my back. So, uh, take us through where you were at that particular moment. Yeah, this was official game over for me. Uh, as not as as much as I thought, seventeen three was uh, that pick six where I was like, "Oh, this doesn't bode well," you know. Uh, that that play removed any pretense of a possible comeback uh, from happening, and. It was just disappointing. It was disappointing end for Lamar. You know, it it, it it basically effectively removed any chance he had of any sort of redemption in this game, right? Like, he couldn't even lead a scoring drive. He's just knocked out and uh, with the whole quarter to go. And really made this, as I said, a pretty low stress for me personally, uh, fourth quarter, probably the least invested I've ever been in a Ravens fourth quarter. Cause respect to Tyler Huntley, he did play. I actually did think play well, uh, in the opportunity was given nearly got them a touchdown at the end there. But, um, yeah, it, it was just such an unfortunate. And you said like, it's, it's funny. The reason I thought, you know, he tried that play cause he had to do that play earlier in the game on another bad Patrick McCarry snap that he picked up and rolled out and fired to the sideline. Uh, and it was incomplete, but second time he did that play. And I think it speaks to Lamar's athleticism that you're right. Like, you know, we've certainly watched quarterbacks with this team where that's just a fumble to the other team. If that snap happens, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was just such a bummer of a way to finish. Like, Lamar, as Tim said, that pick kind of, unless he had some real magic in the fourth quarter, pick kind of colored the whole game, and now we'll never know if he had any magic in the fourth quarter because he didn't get a chance. So, it, it was just a bummer of a finish, and, uh, you never want to see a guy get hurt, but, you know, you'd rather, obviously, it was, it seemed pretty serious right away, right? He never went to the locker room, never came back, but... Seems like he's doing well enough, at least from the people who've talked to him, so that's good, at least. But yeah, just a real real downer of a way to end the game. <laughs> yeah, don't don't listen to this podcast near any sharp yeah, I, like, got myself <laughs> depressed talking about it. I was, like, feeling right. okay, and then I was like, oh, man. <laughs> or any shoelaces or anything like that. Keep the shoelaces in the shoes, people. It's going to be okay. Um, yeah, I mean, to answer the question off the bat, where was I when... He was caught, uh, concussed, excuse me, and then Tyler Huntley came in, pouring a very strong drink because that was it. Um, I think Tyler Huntley has all but secured the backup job now. Um, sorry, Trace McSorley fans of who there are many for whatever reason. Um, I think Huntley kind of has 
that job now, RG3 is a free agent. They're not going to pay him um, the, the backup money if you've got a guy like Huntley who is more athletic and can kind of do the things Lamar does, at least in the running game. You know, Lamar light, very, very light, but still can kind of do that stuff. Um, and, yeah, I, outside of that, I don't know. It was game, it was game over. What, what, what else can you say about the Lamar um, concussion? You know, we didn't have Chad Henney in there who was going to lead us to victory <laughs> like another team we'll talk about. Uh, in just a bit, so I don't know. The offensive side of the ball, man. I, I want to talk, I, I do, and not to take host duties from you, Antonio, because I've seen, and admittedly, I didn't really think about this during the game, but it is something both of you have brought up at least once. It is something I know many friends have brought up a number of times and completely blaming the loss on one person, and that's Greg Roman. What did you think of the game plan? Because admittedly, in the moment, and hand up i haven't gone back and rewatched it because i'm not a masochist or a professional like jace what did you think of roman's game plan uh antonio was it was it really that egregious i don't think so i i was kind of okay with it i mean all any game plan looks bad if you don't execute it as it's intended to be executed i don't care how good the play calls are or how talented the players may be in certain positions. I mean, like execute is one of the most like overused football cliches ever, but it's true for a reason. That's why it's a cliche. If (laughs) I'm, here's what I will say. The one side comment to that, that is not a good look. If when I rewatch some of the offensive, some of the tape, some of the offensive tape, it was difficult to watch the Bills defenders, multiple levels of Bills defenders, linebackers, safeties, on almost every snap for the Ravens offensively, those Bills defenders were either leaning forward or quite literally stepping toward the line, anticipating the plays as they were being snapped. And in theory, that shouldn't exist anymore in the NFL. If any defense is doing that, 28 out of the 32 teams can call a throw that is going to be behind all of those defenders and you are burned for a touchdown, not for a first down, not for 10 yards, but for a 60 yard touchdown, you get single coverage, man to man, your quarterback can quite literally just throw it up, give it some hang time and let the receiver win the one-on-one matchup. And we can't do that even a little bit. So that I think you do have to put on the Ravens, maybe not Greg, Greg Roman doesn't pick the, you know, the, the personnel, um, but they didn't really try to do that. I don't think in a lot of situations in this game, I think I texted you guys at a certain point where the bills were getting all kinds of pressure play after play after play. And Collinsworth said something about Lamar, like not being able to, like he can't get out of the pocket. He doesn't have any time. You can throw a screen pass. If the defense is overly aggressive at your quarterback Maybe a screen would be the perfect call in that type situation to not only get yards, but also to slow down the pass rush, to slow down a blitz. Um, and they ne- they didn't do it. They never really tried to do that. So there are some fixes here, but the the easiest, cheapest fix is to have a really, really good wide receiver so that when defenses cheat, you can then make them pay. And they don't have it, and they didn't really try to do it, and it's just not how this offense is built to, to play. I, I think, yeah, for me, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, because I think at times Greg Roman can get pretty stale. Um, people who know things on uh, Twitter uh, have have cited some of his, you know, 
passing concepts not being the most complex, his route trees, if you will. But um, to your point, Antonio, I do think they can certainly diversify. I think the interception Lamar threw is such a good example because I think it just put everything on display. It's the limitations of Lamar. It's the receiving options trying to force it to Mark Andrews. You're only somewhat reliable, and we can debate if he's reliable, uh, I think. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, they're trying to force it to Mark Andrews just right in the middle of the field, surrounded by Bill's defenders. There's about five guys around Mark Andrews. And you look, I think the the, the thing, though, that, that I'm like, nah, they why do they always try to force to Mark Andrews? And then you look at the other people trying to chase down uh, Teron Johnson on the play. The receiving options that were at least visible on the far side of the field are uh, Miles Boykin and Justice Hill. So I'm like, well... On the one hand, I think, yeah, you have a QB that certainly, you know, isn't perfect when it comes to throwing the ball. He has limitations. But also, then, I don't think the calls always put them in advantageous situations. We talked a little bit, you know, they found their best success um, heading into halftime. As it turns out, the only drive they scored points on. uh, Going with tempo. uh, No huddle, kind of faster pace. And it seems like, just anecdotally to me, that Lamar does well in those scenarios. But they don't seem to utilize that. So I definitely think Greg Roman doesn't put his people necessarily always in the best position to succeed. But I also, to your what you said, just they need more talent there. It, 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 you watch Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. Diggs 108 yards and a touchdown. Allen had the single highest completion percentage rise in NFL history. We just need someone like that for Lamar, I think. And I think that would just do so well. I think it would make Greg Roman more creative. I think it would just help top to bottom. I just want to add, Tim, quickly. They they did try one thing, and it worked. And they just couldn't execute. Back to the execute thing. You have your backup quarterback in, and by backup I mean fourth string quarterback in. It's fourth and eight. It's fourth and eight, and you're down by two touchdowns, and you successfully get a double move where your wide receiver is wide open when the only thing the Bills have to do at that point is prevent a big play, and you are able to get your number one wide receiver in Hollywood Brown wide frickin' open on a simple double move where they were all crashing forwards on the line, all biting on that first play, and you can't, he couldn't connect. He overthrew him by five. He overthrew one of the fastest guys in the NFL by five yards, and I get it, he's a fourth-string quarterback, he's not used to the situation, he's not used to playing NFL football, and even Josh Allen missed a lot of those big throws, but if he connects, all of a sudden you have a touchdown, it's a one-score game, and you have taken advantage of the aggressiveness of the Bills, maybe we could have had some of that earlier in the game, as opposed to when you're down by two scores late in the fourth quarter with your fourth-string quarterback. Yeah, I 100% agree with the both of you. Um, I tend to lean more on personnel than Roman. I think Roman does take some blame. And I'm look, I'm not trying to just say it was everyone's fault, but it was everyone's fault <laughs> on the offensive side of the football. Um, I think the lack of an adjustment is really scary. Um, I think the, again, not to use the metaphor again, but pissing down their leg when they're down 10 nothing or down by any sort of points starts with Roman and then just kind of permeates through the rest of the offense. And, and Lamar takes a lot of blame for that too. He gets very, 
he knows the narrative. Like he said it multiple times and he gets very, I have to change this. I have to do this. I have to do this and tries to force things a lot. Um, and whether it's, and you know, I, we should talk about the defense a little bit. So I think we need to move off the offense, but I will say this, whether it's play calling, whether it's players execution, Antonio, I think you nailed it. I think that's the biggest thing. You can't, you can't not finish drives. The Ravens, and this comes from Andrew Gillis on Twitter, the Ravens ran 10 offensive possessions tonight. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but some of them, here's where they ended. The Bills 23, the Bills 28, the Bills 16, the Bills 9, and the Bills 10 yard lines. Half of their drives ended inside of the Bills 30. Half of them. And they scored three points. You have to I don't like it, Tim. I don't you like have to hear it. To finish, and and they didn't. They got scared in the big moment. They showed why they were the fifth seed compared to the second seed, and um, they got it. overall like legit, maybe a bit metaphorically here. They got intimidated by six thousand people and a quarterback out of Wyoming, and that's it. And that's the game. Let's turn defensive. We got to get we got to get some happy thoughts in here because I, I'm <laughs> I'm so bummed out all over again. Defensively, the Baltimore Ravens had a, essentially a masterclass defensive performance against a very strong offense against a very good quarterback. Ended up giving up really one drive. They had one bad touchdown drive that the Bills were able to score on their first possession out of the uh, out of the second half. They gave up a field goal on a short field after the Sam Cook. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it's a shank punt, but it was very clearly a wind was an issue for every every ball essentially that went more than ten feet up into the air. You had no idea where it was going. Both kickers missed twice. The Can Bills I jump kicker, in on that? Can I jump in on that, Antonio? Sure. Very very quickly, just on the punt because I don't want to excuse it. This comes from Pat McAfee. If you don't listen to McAfee's show, start listening to it. It's probably the best sports talk show outside of Grumpy Pundits on Sirius XMFC 157. And he, after the punt, obviously McAfee, if you don't know, former punter for the Colts, he had this tweet that I just think is interesting, and I wanted to read it out because it gives context to the thing. Because at first we're like, what the hell are you doing, Sam Cook? Like, what did you and Justin Tucker eat before this game? Because this is ridiculous. He said, quote, and it's a little long, I apologize, Interesting decision by Cook there. He's one of the goats. Changed the game by trying different punts at different times. The punt he just attempted is an Aussie-like football punt, like Aussie rules football. Used to be only for pooches, but Sam started using it for full field kicks because he's the best. Because it's almost always a fair catch. I used it in the last half of my career. It was awesome. I never would attempt it into the wind because I wasn't good enough to do so. It just gives you so much little room for error because the wind error, excuse me, because the wind will eat the ball. Sam is much better than I ever was at the punt, and he went for it. Mishit it a tiny bit, and the win made him pay. Excited to watch Sam bounce back and bomb some strategic ball tonight. So it's something that he planned on doing. He knew he could do it. We all know Sam Cook is great. That's why he's been on the team for 15 years. But he just mishit it. So uh, apologies. Continue there. No, no, that's, that's interesting. And the Bills get the ball at the Baltimore 38 and only get three points out of it. Um so the just defensively, I'm going to turn to you guys. What? Because we got to think some happy thoughts here as we head into the Ravens off season. But how much did you like of, of this Ravens defensive performance, even late in this game, even in the fourth quarter, 
when the game looks all but dead, even though it's, in theory, you know, you're still in the game, you're down two scores with like five, six, seven, eight minutes left, and even late in the game when all seemed lost, when Lamar's in the locker room, the offensive score has scored three points, uh, the Ravens' defense able to get three stops, basically. They force a punt, they force a missed field goal, and then they force another punt late that then gets nullified by the roughing the punter and officially end of the game, which was such a perfect Ravens ending. But defensively, 60 minutes of unbelievable defense. Uh, what did you guys like about that performance? I mean, I th- just shut down completely. 220 yards, 10 points offensively, they gave up. 10 points and 220 yards against the team that was second in points, second in yards. I know the weather was bad, and Josh Allen definitely missed a few throws deep. But this was a high-powered thing, a high-powered offense for the Bills. And they just didn't do much all game. That's what I think we mentioned was just so frustrating. is like The defense put the, this team in a position to win. And I know I can speak for myself. Tim and I, probably, I can loop him into, have been hard on this defense at times throughout the years. But Wink Martindale and this group really, really coalesced into something really impressive in the playoffs, especially. And I think that's what's most disappointing, that they're not playing, uh, have one more shot at the Chiefs, because this, um, you know, they they were just impressive. I mean, the Bills didn't even try to run the ball. The Bills aren't a good rushing team, but they just, they abandoned trying to run entirely. They had Allen throw it 37 times, uh, and they only tried 16 runs all game. And again, they led almost the entire time, except for, you know, three minutes or what, the first three minutes, three minutes of the second half, probably, uh, is the only time the Bills weren't leading this game. But, uh, yeah, I, I was just super impressed. I thought everyone came to play and they came to play two weeks in a row. And I guess to put, try to put a positive on it, uh, spit it into a positive, two things, I guess. One, barring... We still have essentially two openings. The Lions haven't fully hired Dan Campbell yet, I don't believe. But it doesn't appear that Wink Martindale is going to get hired in this cycle. So the whole, barring for him wanting to leave for whatever reason, and or him and Harbaugh not getting along that we don't know about, which seems unlikely, Wink Martindale is going to be the defense coordinator next year. And I think the other encouraging thing, and this can apply to the offense too, actually, for me, is the Ravens defense was embarrassed in the playoffs last year by the Tennessee Titans, I think. And they made it their mission to go out in free agency, Eric DaCosta and the front office, and they said, we are not going to let this happen. And they bring in Clias Campbell, they bring in Derek Wolf, they address their issues, and we saw it was for these games, you know, 13 points against Tennessee, 10 offensive points allowed against the Bills. The defense was awesome. If, you know, we can take the lessons... We just watched on the offensive side of the ball, and what we did, we saw bad defense last year in the playoffs. They made moves to fix them. If we do that for the other side of the ball, I think the 2021 Ravens are going to look in really good shape. So hopefully they look at what their own defense was able to coalesce into and build over the course of this season and uh, follow the blueprint, because I was really, really impressed with them. All playoffs, I thought they were awesome. I mean, 220 yards against the Bills was 10 points. That's You can't ask for more than that. Literally can't ask for more than that. So, yeah. I know I can't only say I was impressed so many times, but I was, it was damn impressive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yet again, Mr. Evans nails it. Um, 
I think the worst part about this is now we're going to expect this team to be like a top three unit, and our expectations <laughs> might be way too high for this team going into next season. When they give up twenty four points next in week one or something in the opener, right? Right. <laughs> because what they did in this postseason was nothing short of astounding. Um, Josh Allen looked like last year's Josh Allen all night. And I refuse to blame the win because the guy's got a cannon for a right arm. Uh, he can throw it through that stuff. And they had, they were all over him all night. Um, you know, Brian Dayball only ran the ball, what was it, 16 times? And it felt like they didn't run it until the second half, really. I mean, I know it was, I know it was before that, obviously. But it almost felt like they were just passing past. Well, I think passing. they had one, maybe two. I think they had one running back attempt in the first half, maybe two. Like they, it was yeah. the runs were just. I think it was Josh just Allen. Josh Allen. He, there was one play <laughs> where he scrambled and ran for it, and I, I am pretty sure that was their one rushing attempt of the first half. Right, was his and scramble. So the the past the past defense, especially you know, for a team that doesn't get pressure, uh, two sacks all night. Shout out Matt Judon and shout out Pernell McPhee, Matt Judon, who has already thanked the organization for yeah, a wonderful five years. Seem like he's going to be back. <laughs> he gone. Um, I thought they were they were astounding. Um, and again, really, because I don't want to just tread over what Jay said because he pretty much nailed everything. The biggest point here is the point about the offense. Look what they did to strengthen this unit. Trading over the last what is it two seasons. Trading for Marcus Peters, signing Calais Campbell, trading for Yannick Ngakwe, signing Derek Wolf, drafting Patrick Queen in the first round, drafting Malik Harrison in the third round. Um, you know, getting rid of a guy and, and eating a cost to get rid of a guy who was clearly a problem for this defense and Earl Thomas. Addressing these issues on that side of the football. And look what happened. They stepped up because they have the talent. They have the guys they need there. And Wink Martindale adjusted. And he adjusted his system a little bit when he needed to. You know, none of us are big, big, super big brain football guys. But you could even see it as just a normal fan of how they kind of change things up. You know, the whole Derrick Henry thing. Not letting him eat. And then not letting Josh Allen beat you. I mean, Stephon Diggs was going to get his. He's, you know, top five, maybe top three receiver in football right now. But that was it. And, again, like like you both have said, you just hope that, obviously, cap issues and what have you, they're all a problem. Maybe we'll get Brian McFarlane back on the show to kind of talk about how much money the Ravens actually have to make any sort of moves. But you hope that they start addressing the offensive side of the football like they did the defensive side because, again, they were, they were nothing short of astounding uh, in this postseason. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I want nine more attempts. Why don't we? Why don't we just have uh, like best out of seven series here? NFL. I have a, a great idea for you to generate even more revenue that I know you guys want. Can you no imagine? single elimination in the NFL playoffs? <laughs> Either three out of five, two out of three. You know, let's get some series, some home and aways uh, for the NFL playoffs. Because I think the Ravens, this is not this was not the way for them to go out, and it bums me out that it's such a poor performance in the last game of the season, um, with your, you know, your your leader and your star in the locker room not able to finish the game. So really frustrating. We will have plenty more to talk about the Ravens in the coming weeks as we get into the off season. So we were not we are not going to take much time here at all, really, to discuss uh, 
personnel and needs and, and, and draft type stuff that will all come later. We're going to turn away from the Ravens now. Uh, I'll give you guys maybe last last thoughts on, on this Ravens uh, bizarre COVID season before we move on to the rest of the NFL. I just want to say real quickly, just specifically on this game, um, and you know, we said at the top, by the way, I think this they got the monkey off their back and they were playing with house money after, for the Bills game. So Lamar can win a playoff game, guys, and Tennessee, we're not Tennessee's B word at this point. Like, we're okay. We're okay. Ravens fans, we're okay. I just also want to shout out the team I will now be rooting for in the rest of these NFL playoffs, and that's Bills Mafia and the Buffalo Bills. Trust me, even if this one thing didn't happen that I'm about to tell you, I probably would still root for Bills Mafia because outside of the Ravens, they're the best. After Lamar Jackson went out concussed, and I'm sure you've seen this story, but we do need to bring it up. There was a Twitter sort of push, I guess, uprising, however you want to categorize it, from Bills Mafia to raise money for Lamar's favorite charity. They were like, this sucks that he's out. He's a great player. You know, we want to play the best, beat the best, yada, yada, yada. What can we do to help him? So what they did is they started donating money to the Blessings in a Backpack Louisville chapter. If you don't know, Blessings in a Backpack uh, mobilizes communities, individuals, and resources to provide food on the weekends for elementary school children across America who might otherwise go hungry. Um, Just a fantastic, fantastic charity. And Bill's Mafia showed up in droves as of 4.30 p.m. on Sunday. So 20, well, 20 hours after kickoff of the Saturday night game, 9,000 individual donations and $240,000 donated to Lamar's favorite charity. Um, Bill's Mafia, you're the best. You're the absolute best, and go win that Super Bowl. Go beat Brady in the Super Bowl because it's going to be – it'll be absolutely a perfect bow on the end of their season. Yeah, I mean, Bill's as Tim said, Bill's Mafia is a good fan base, probably the best of the NFL. They are dedicated to their team <laughs> in a way few, uh, few fan bases are. Just as it pertains to the Ravens, uh, as Tim mentioned, I do think this season was a success. Uh, definitely a disappointing finish, but – it's a weird season with COVID, and I don't think we could dismiss that injuries to arguably, what, some of their most important players, Nick Boyle, Ronnie Stanley, most prominently, um, that really hampered them this year. Uh, but I think overcoming that, and obviously they had uh, the biggest COVID outbreak in the NFL <laughs> also, Um and just being able to overcome all that and navigate that. And, you know, I, as Tim said, get the monkey off your back. You got a playoff win. I think that is as disappointing as this game was and as bad as they played it. I still think it doesn't erase the breakthrough that was. So it was a weird year. Um, hopefully there's fans back in the stadium and the Ravens uh, can take some lessons they learned this year and make a real Super Bowl run again next season. They've, uh, they've gotten better every year in the Lamar era, in, in a sense. They lost the first-round playoff game in his first season. They made it to the second round with the bye and, and lost last year. And this year won a playoff game and made it to the second round. So uh, AFC Championship 2021-22, uh, here we come. So elsewhere in the AFC, another AFC North team was trying to stake their claim for the AFC Championship and fell just short as the Browns fell to the Chiefs 22 to 17. 
a game that could have been very, very different if Richard Higgins does not fumble the ball at the goal line in the first half, leading to a touchback for the Chiefs as opposed to the Browns cutting into their, uh, at the time, I think was a, a nine-point deficit, something like that. They were down two scores. It would have cut it to one score. But Higgins, trying to do too much, does the classic stretch the ball out to the goal line while getting hit and fumbles it right into the end zone. Um, how much of that game did you guys watch? Thoughts on uh, the Mahomes concussion and the Chad Henney experience for, for as much as it was needed? Um, good that the Browns lost. I could not... I. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to emotionally handle it if they went farther than the Ravens in the playoffs ever, ever. Any year that the Browns go farther than the Ravens in the playoffs or make the playoffs and the Ravens don't will be a horrific year uh, in general. So thank God for Chad Henney and thank God for Andy Big Balls Reed. It takes some absolute stones to call that fourth down passing play. And look, Tony Romo, maybe over exaggerated it just a little bit um as tony who is starting to plummet down the color commentator rankings at least for me personally it used to be very very good and now he's just starting to get very very annoying um what a play call you know you've got tyree kill who runs probably a 4-1 4 and getting him out in space on a play that they didn't think they were going to run because it's chad freaking henny and the browns had a bunch of momentum at that point um so, yeah, I don't have too, too much to add after that. Mahomes seems like he's going to be fine. Um, and you would expect, you know, the, the joke that I was telling my friends yesterday is he's going to go to the doctor. Doctor's going to hold up two fingers. They're going to say, how many are these? Mahomes is going to go four. They're like, oh, you're good. And I'll put him <laughs> out there. Like, he, there's no way he's not playing in this championship game. But, you know, Andy Reid, the monkey was off the back already when he won the Super Bowl last year. Um, you know, all the he can't win it in the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. It's kind of the same narrative that we now see with our own quarterback. And he can't manage the clock, what have you. Fantastic, fantastic performance for them. And you know what? As a neutral, Bill's Chiefs is going to be awesome. So I can't wait. Well, you nailed it, Tim. I, I think just to to flip everything to a Ravens perspective, because that's what we do on Pod Like a Raven. Uh, it is so important, I think, to keep that perspective of, Things change quickly in the NFL. Andy Reid was derided as choking in big games all of two years ago. And now, I think if you would poll people, you would probably, Andy Reid might even land ahead of Bill Belichick on some lists these days. Um, The Chiefs are the first AFC team to be hosting the AFC title game three consecutive years. um, Which is obviously alarming for the long-term trajectory of the Ravens having to play the Chiefs in the playoffs. Um, But as it pertains to this game... I was really impressed with Chad Henney, uh, which is a weird thing to say, but he did have a horrible pick in the end zone. Really bad. Really bad. But that aside, he made some plays. I mean, that fourth down play was crazy, but even the play to even get them in a position to take the the fourth down, you know, he gets sacked on second down and then he runs for 13 yards on third and, or uh, yeah, on third and 14. He runs for 13 and barrels in and I thought he had the first down and, and but they marked him short, and yeah, that you nailed it, Tim. I mean, Tony was a little excited, maybe a little more than he had to be, but I I was stunned they snapped that ball. I, I was kind of surprised as he was. Uh, and the Chiefs have run this play before. They ran it earlier this season, uh, I think against the Dolphins. But um, 
to do it with Chad Henney and not Patrick Mahomes is just incredible faith in your system and your organization and what you do. And I mean, we've talked about needing weapons. A guy like Tyreek Hill, I mean, you know, he's shoving his own coach on this, this position coach on the sideline when he doesn't get the ball thrown at him. I don't know how that's the coach's fault, but the guy got open and made the biggest play of the game. And so, you know, if he, if he's guaranteed, he's like guaranteed to get open on that round every time. So I thought it was just an incredible play by the chiefs. And, uh, you said it chiefs bills is going to be exciting. I can't wait to watch that one. Chiefs. Now they were 10 point favorites in this game. Obviously didn't cover chiefs are seven and 10 on this season (laughs) against the spread and are nine and one in one-score games. They just keep taking care of business, doing just enough to win these games when they probably should be winning by more. I think they would have covered this one if because Mo- they are up 22-10 when Mahomes goes out, right? So I have to believe they add another 10 points <laughs> with Patrick Mahomes. But, if he's still in the game. Uh, um, Chad Henney got it done. Henney thing is in possible. The, in the NFC, uh, Packers... I wrote in my notes, Packers control Rams. That's what this game felt like to me, that the Rams kept it close as much as they possibly could, but Packers just too much offensively, too many yards, too many first downs, um, and eventually win this game 32-18. to 18 When I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers against uh, an already sort of mediocre quarterback with a busted thumb. This, uh, this should have been the, the sort of the poster for why gam- sports gambling. It's so easy if you just make the right decisions. Uh, Packers seven point favorites in this one cover easily. Uh, any guy, anything you guys took away from uh, from this game? How strong do the Packers look to you as they head into the NFC Championship game? They look really strong, but I'd be scared of the team they're going to face, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, I know, just quickly from I'll go incredibly quickly on this game. Aaron Rodgers is awesome. <laughs> Jace, Jace points this out all the time. The way that. He, like, smirks on the field when he knows he's got something. And, you know, you listen to conversations um, about Aaron Rodgers, and people tell you that he is one of the best uh, trash talkers in the league, too. Like, that type of moxie at that position is so, so cool. And then you knew this game was over when Aaron Donald wasn't playing every single snap. You know, he he wasn't on the field that much. He didn't really make an impact, obviously, playing with torn rib cartilage, which shout out to him for even playing through it. I mean, you could see what it meant to him afterwards when he was tearing up on the sideline. But the fact that he couldn't really make an impact, that, that told, told you all you needed to know. Um, Jalen Ramsey's very, very good, right? But he needs Donald to pressure one of the best quarterbacks of all time so he can get some help against Devontae Adams, who for me is the best receiver in football right now. It was never going to happen without Donald out there. So that, as soon as you saw that, you were like, all right, Packers are kind of going to cruise here. And they did. And and let's see what happens with L.A., too, because McVay clearly doesn't like Goff. He's clearly <laughs> done with him. You know, he benched him for that that uh, previous playoff game. It wasn't just an injury thing. So, yeah, I, that will be very interesting for one of these, like, you know, big, glitzy, recent Super Bowl attendee teams. Um, they now have a very, very, very big question at quarterbacks. So let's see what happens in the offseason. Well, and they just lost their defensive coordinator. Uh, Brandon Staley, who was their DC, just got hired by the Chargers across. Well, I was not even across town. They play in the same building. But uh, um, the uh, that 
So the Rams' number one defense in yards and points, but you said it, Tim. I think a big part of the reason they're number one in yards and points is because Aaron Donald is clearly the best defensive player in football. And uh, when he just isn't healthy, you know, I think it showed in this game. The Rams hadn't given up 400 yards this year, uh, and the, the Packers rang up 484. And no one else, the Rams' previous high was 390. So the Packers nearly had 100 more yards than the Rams had given up this year. And I think, obviously, Donald being hurt was a big reason why. I think, you know, Packers have an exceptional offensive line, even with David Bakhtiardi hurt. But, um, yeah, he, you know, if he wasn't able to get to Rodgers, and no one really did all night. He just kind of picked him apart, and they got some running, some runs here and there from their three backs. I don't know what they'll do against the team we'll talk about in a second, Tampa Bay, but I think the Packers showed their... I, I believe the worthy favorites in the NFC. I think they're the most well-rounded NFC team still going. And the other NFC game then. Let's talk about that next. Bucks finally getting the better of the Saints after losing both regular season games. The Saints, boy, that was kind of kind of tough for me to watch uh, for Drew Brees. Just so many turnovers. for. I think they ended up with four turnovers, the Saints did. Three of them leading very directly to three touchdowns for Tampa Bay. And that was the story of the game, really. Tampa wins 30-20, to 20, and if you limit those turnovers even just a little bit, the Saints probably have a lead at least going into the fourth quarter or, uh, you know, would have had certainly a better control of this game than, than they did late. The Bucks' defense was very good in this game. Devin White in particular, he had one of the interceptions and a fumble recovery, so he had two of the turnovers. Um, and, you know, Devin White, I love Devin White. He, I was really high on him. Um, he, uh, coming out of LSU, he's a top 10 pick, but <sighs> Drew Brees, this, this looked like the end, uh, you know, um, this was not even subject, like this was obj- like by any metric, the worst playoff game in his career. He had the fewest yards, the most interceptions and the lowest rating of any playoff game he's ever played. And it was just, I like Drew Brees. I don't know if I could speak for everyone on here, but I love Drew Brees. He's fun to watch. He's always been, you know, the, the the statistics he's compiled over the years have been astounding, but, and he wasn't ready to commit to anything, but this really looked like the end. That performance was just, they could do nothing downfield. Uh, The Saints only attempt longer than 20 air yards was Jameis Winston's pass to, uh, Traquan uh, Smith on the trick play. So, you know, he can't throw deep. Michael Thomas didn't have any catches in this game. They didn't connect. He was just... It was a sad, because it looks like it's the end. He didn't commit to anything, but that seems like the last game of Drew Brees' career, and it's a real bummer of a way to go out. But the Bucks played a solid game. You know, Tom Brady, they didn't turn it over on offense, which was really kind of just the key to it. Cause I didn't think they did all that much. You mentioned all the points off turnovers. So for me, this story of this game was really Drew Brees. Like it just, he, he looks, he looked like the end and it was a bummer of a way to go out because he's had such a legendary career, but you never want to go out on that sour of a note. And, uh, it would have been nice to get him in one last NFC title game, him versus Aaron Rodgers, which had somehow never happened in the playoffs, despite all the years the Saints and Packers had made the playoffs. But yeah, instead we get Tom Brady in the NFC championship game or 
his first NFC Championship game, but Tom Brady playing on Conference Championship weekend for the 14th time in 21 seasons. It's frustrating. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> little disclosure for me this weekend. I had to watch both the Ravens game and the Bucks game with some fans of the New England Patriots. Mm. And uh, multiple times they asked when the Patriots were playing on Sunday, but really they meant when was Tom Brady and the Buccaneers play. And it, it hurt a lot. I do not like Tom Brady. None of us have been Pats fans for really forever. And it was uh, sort of, uh, let's call it annoying that they were also claiming the Buccaneers now yeah. with Tom Brady leading them. To the to the yearly tradition of of Brady and the yeah if if you if the guy wins six Super Bowls with your team you can't then just it's not like it, this isn't like Ray Bork winning the Stanley Cup with the Avalanche when the Bruins never won the cup right you won six championships leave them be <laughs> um the last note on the Saints the the turnovers leading to all those points for the Bucks that's actually gonna sort of soften my belief in the Bucks in this Packers game because they were just handed the ball in, in some of these instances in outstanding field position and the Buccaneers were doing nothing in the first quarter of that game unable to get first downs early and move the ball they seem they're so strange they seem so out of sync for long periods of time the Bucks, even though they have all these weapons all this talent and then they can turn it on at the right time and score touchdowns but we'll see how the Bucks do in their conference championship and for uh for Drew Brees, yeah, Jace, you uh, you said it quite a career, and I this it did look like the end when he walked off that field and did the uh, the look the back half turn back look up at the at the stadium before walking out of there. So that seemed significant to me. All right, let's uh, let's handle the random Raven now, and then we'll do a, a brief review of the of the playoff matchups next weekend before getting out of here. And I am actually up this week with the random Raven, so uh, I'm gonna try to be as uh, it's gonna sound petty, and I'm 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 only trying to be a little bit petty, not a lot petty. So there's not a lot of information here, but you guys should figure this out pretty quickly. Um, this random Raven played ten years for the team, from 1998 to 2007. He played in 134 games. He started 115 of them and won a Super Bowl with the team in the 2000-2001 season. Big clue here. Uh, In his tenure with the Ravens, he was responsible for three fumbles in his entire 10-year career. For perspective, Matt Skura had four fumbles in a two-game span, and Patrick McCarry had another three fumbles in his last four games. Yet this Raven, in 10 years was responsible for three fumbles. This player went to the University of Maine, was undrafted, and wore the same number as Terrence Cody. And that's all I'm going to say about this random Raven. And I'll see, I I would not doubt that my co-hosts have it, but for the listener, here's an opportunity for you to to show your your, uh, Ravens trivia medal by knowing who this random Raven is with very little information. And we will answer that annoyingly at the end of the episode all right uh let's turn now guys to next week there's only three games left in the nfl season two of them will be this coming weekend 
starting with the AFC matchup, Bills at Chiefs. Kansas City currently a three-point favorite in this game. What do you got in terms of a preview for these two teams? Who do you like? What do you like? And what's, what are you going to look out for? Points, I hope. Uh, there should, this should is shaping up to be, I believe, a shootout. Uh, you know, you have uh, the number one and number two offenses for yards going against each other in this game. Um, a presumably healthy Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen on the ascent. Um, I'm very much looking forward to this game. Uh, the Bills have not played in the AFC title game since the 1993 season. Um, coincidentally, against the Chiefs of that game uh, back all those many years ago. But uh, that game was in Buffalo. But this uh, this should be fun. I, um, I think it'll be very close. I do personally think the Chiefs will win this game. I think... As I said, I think this the game against the Browns wouldn't have been as close if Mahomes was healthy the whole time. You know, he goes out, it's 22-10, they're up 19-3 at halftime. I think they close that out a little easier. Neither of these teams can run particularly well, so the ball will be uh, probably in the hands of quarterbacks a lot, which is fun if you like guys with big arms throwing long and far. Um, my concern for the Bills is I don't, you know, not that the Chiefs can run it that well, but on the other side, the 16 runs against the Ravens, I you have to up that number, I think. You, you can't have Mahomes have the ball that much. So I'm a little concerned about the Bills' lack of a running game when it comes to putting a game away, should they have the lead or just keeping the ball away from Mahomes. But I think if Mahomes is healthy, I think they, they find a way to get it done and get back to the Super Bowl. Uh yeah, this game will be fun because the Chiefs like close games. You know? <laughs> we keep betting on the Chiefs. They keep not covering games um, with big with big spreads, obviously. It was the 10 points against the Browns, but they did not cover. We'll, we'll go into our picks, I guess, more uh, in the gambling segment here, but there's a little teaser there. I mean, look, if, if we would just want to do it now, we're running late on time anyway because we were just depressed about <laughs> the Ravens. I'm picking – I'm absolutely 100% picking the Bills and the points here because I think this is going to be a close game. The one thing you have to watch is the Bills' offense has not looked like itself in these two playoff games. You can credit good defense. I mean, they played Indy and they played Baltimore, two of the better defenses in the league. Does that change against the Chiefs? It'll have to if they want to keep up with Mahomes. Um, I don't know, man. Josh Allen versus Mahomes is going to be so cool. Jace has reiterated this, and I've shared this point with a number of friends this weekend after the Ravens lost. It is insanely annoying that all the good young quarterbacks are in the AFC. I mean, look at it. It's Brady versus Rodgers, and then <laughs> Allen versus Mahomes in it's your like final It's like the Senior Bowl and then, like, the regular league. It's like the over-40 division of a softball league, and then the, like— younger everybody else gets to play in the regular softball division yeah it's like the u.s open and like the senior u.s open like the, the old guys who are still playing and you know have to hit off of a tee that's closer to the hole or whatever i don't, I don't really know that much about golf um so yeah one guy I'll ha one guy i will look out for um you know he didn't make a ton of plays against the ravens on saturday but if you're looking for somebody to maybe make some plays and who might be matched up against tyree kill for a lot is tredavious white he's one of the best corners in the league um, and they're going to need him to have a big game, or this is going to be a shootout. And, uh, you know, to reiterate what Jay said, this game is going to take about five hours because everyone's going to be throwing the ball. <laughs> they ain't running the ball in this game. So if you like points, it should be a good one. That being said, because we expect points, 
it's almost certainly going to hit the under, which you should bet that as well, just because the overs probably or the the line is going to be so so high, and then these games always fail to live up to expectations. But all that being said, I am very very excited as a neutral to watch this and go Bills Mafia. Yeah, I'm pulling up the line now because I want to see what the what the over under is. Fifty four. So that's that's a manageable. That's a manageable over uh, number. I, it sh- I agree with you, Tim. It should be like sixty to, to sort of adjust for to adjust for inflation, if you will. But um, I, I like the Chiefs in this game. They, I, I said a, a few minutes ago, they've been bad against the spread. They've won all these one score games. I, I think that's just because they know how to win games. They figured out their formula. They have so many weapons, so much talent. They do just enough to win these games, and this line is just small enough to where I feel comfortable taking the Chiefs anyway. If this was like five or six, I would be a little more hesitant to, to take them. But with that being three, it's just such a comfortable line for a team that whose starters lost one game <laughs> all season, basically, and, and they get a home game now with fans in, in an awesome environment. I'm taking the Chiefs there. Um, in the NFC, the Senior Bowl. Bucks at Packers, Green Bay minus three and a half. Um, I'm taking the Packers here. I, I I just think they've looked better all season. Where the Bucks have had these moments where they just look terrible, and then these other moments where they look unstoppable. I think the Bucks do the same thing in this game. Cannot put it all together over the entire course of the 60 minutes, and Rodgers just sort of does better, executes better, makes more plays more consistently. Um, and they end up winning this game, so I'm, I'm taking the Packers minus three and a half. Antonio, I think the point you brought up when we were discussing the Bucks Saints game is kind of why I lean Packers two with the uh, the minus three and a half. Uh, also, just for the record, if I didn't say Chiefs minus three, but uh, um, as it pertains to the Bucks, I wasn't that impressed with their offense. I, you know, there was a moment the Saints led this game into the third quarter, and the Bucks score 17 straight points to end the game. Um, well, and then I think the Saints tacked on a TD or something. But the Bucks at one point score 17 straight points. A lot of it off the turnovers. I just... Brady's fine, but I don't know. I have just... He was 18 for 33 for 199 against the Saints. He didn't turn the ball over, but... I just I think they're gonna have to get more offense than what they did against the Saints, and I do think the Saints defense probably a little better than the Packers, but I I I I still think the Bucks just didn't can't do enough or aren't consistent enough on offense to score enough points that the Packers are going to score in an NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers' fifth NFC Championship game, first at Lambeau. I think he's going to be fired up for this game. Um, they, I don't know if anything changed in Wisconsin, but they suddenly had a whole bunch of fans there for <laughs> for the long, or for the divisional game after having no fans all season. I think that matters, especially to a guy like Rodgers. Um, and it's going to be cold. Uh, it is the noon game, so they'll at least have sun for it. Or uh, 2 p.m. start in Wisconsin. But... Um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I just think the Bucks aren't consistent enough. And I think the Packers, I could see a scenario where the Packers blow this. It's definitely possible. But I think overall, I think the Packers for the last several weeks of the season have been too consistent. Uh, 
and the Bucks just too inconsistent on offense. Yeah, um, not to do this because I know these teams are completely different now, but these two teams have played already, and it, <laughs> it was a well. sh- it was a shellacking. Uh, 38-10 in favor of the Buccaneers. Obviously, the Bucks were home. If you remember, Tom Brady said that he part of the reason he went to Tampa is because he's tired of the cold weather and he's never or quote he's never moving back up north. All that being said, I think he's going to be fine in the cold. How the rest of the team adjusts to it, we'll see. It's a very real thing. Uh, we saw the Titans get squashed by the Packers in the snow because Aaron Rodgers, like, weirdly almost plays better when the <laughs> conditions are really bad, it seems like, um, oddly. But all that being said, guys, I'm taking the Bucks and the points. Three and a half. I love their defense, and I hate Tom Brady. But most of the reason why I hate Tom Brady is because I respect how good he is in these big moments. He's going to be fired up. That defense, if they play like they did against the Saints, another good offense, obviously the quarterback position, not nearly as strong because Drew Brees' right arm has basically fallen off at this point. But I think they could do it again. I think they could really have a master class. All it's going to take is one or two turnovers. On the other side of that, to kind of play devil's advocate to myself, Aaron Rodgers has been on an FU tour all year after the Packers drafted Jordan Love, and he's playing out of his mind um, this entire season. I could see that continuing, but but from a neutral gambling point of view, if you were to put money on this game, if the line is three, maybe I'm thinking about it a little more, but three and a half, Tom Brady and three and a half points, just like I did last week, I got to take that. Green Bay, Wisconsin, Sunday Weather forecast, 28 degrees, 40% chance of some snow, showers. That would be awesome to watch. I would love to see Rodgers and Brady going at it in the snow in Green Bay for a trip to the Super Bowl. We'll be watching that. Um, Just to recap, because I I haven't done this yet, and I've said it every week, um, to recap my gambling numbers for the season quickly. One and two last week. Got the Packers pick right. Got the Ravens pick wrong. And then uh, my T's lost because the Ravens couldn't score a touchdown. And had the Ravens <laughs> scored just any touchdown at any point in that Ugh. game, that T's would have been just fine. But they were unable to do so. So 30-18 and 18 on the season. And we'll see how these two games go this weekend before we... We'll be talking about Super Bowl previews when we next meet uh, on this show next week. Uh, I'm going to read through the random Raven clues one more time. And then we're going to get on out of here. This random Raven played 10 years for the team from 1998 to 2007. Played in 134 games, started 115 of them, and obviously won a Super Bowl with the team in the year 2000. In his tenure with the Ravens, he was responsible for three fumbles in his entire 10-year career. For perspective, Matt Skura had four fumbles in a two-game span this season, not including fumbles assigned to Lamar Jackson on poor snaps. And Patrick McCarry had another three fumbles in his last four games. Not including fumbles assigned to Lamar Jackson on other poor snaps. All right. This player went to the University of Maine, was undrafted, and wore the same number as Terrence Cody. Guys, who is this random Raven? You know, it's funny. A undrafted offensive lineman who turned out very, very good. They um, exist. <laughs> So maybe, you know what? Throw out all the information I said beforehand. Just keep doing undrafted, guys. You'll find one eventually. Uh, Maybe you'll find one like this random Raven, Mike Flynn. Very solid Raven. 
for a long time. And um, can he still play? Because, my God, we need a center. Where's Matt Burke? Matt Burke around anywhere? We could use him, too. Just get them both back in. Who cares? You can do, like, a rotating center type I mean, look, they're both very old. So, like, you know, (laughs) if they do, like, one drive, it's Mike. The other drive, it's Matt. Mike, Matt, Mike, Matt, Mike, Matt. Maybe we're rolling. We'll see. I like it. I like it. That is the random Raven. Uh, I was a little on tilt when I came up with this particular (laughs) player because I was looking through the history of Raven centers who were able to snap the ball, and he was uh, maybe the best that the Ravens have had in their 25-plus year existence. So, Mike Flynn. Pillar on the line. Ball. 98 Rock regular? Was he on 98, the rotation? <laughs> he, I looked at it. He's on some radio show. He did some post-retirement radio shows, but I don't believe they were local. I think they were, okay. um, like, up in up in New England, weirdly. Something he did, he did a show in Boston, uh, yeah, I think on one channel. 98.5 the sports hub, but I don't know when <laughs> he did that or if he still does. But yeah, even even a post retirement career there for for Mike Flynn for a time. But yeah, that's real, the random Raven, real good player for a long hoping, time. Him? Hoping to get another center just like him on this roster sometime soon. All right, uh, for Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey, I'm Antonio Barbera. Thanks for listening to us. Not the most fun week to have to discuss Ravens football, but the the sun will the sun will shine tomorrow. Uh, the Ravens will be back next season, hopefully better than ever. And we'll be talking about them every week on Pod Like a Raven. Thank you for listening to us. We will see you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.